God, we thank you for your presence in this building this morning. We thank you for that verse, thou in me dwelling and I with thee one. Lord, we thank you that in a sermon series about the Holy Spirit, you remind us in him older than all of us that you have always been present. God, we love you. We ask this morning for soft hearts. In Jesus' name, amen. Good morning, Anchor. It's, uh, it's nice to be back up here again. I love to preach to you guys. Um, I hope that you love it. I know that I'm a little weird, so I get it if you don't, but don't tell me until after. Um. <laughs> okay, so we're in week four of a sermon series on the Holy Spirit. We've talked about influence. We've talked about intercession, which is one of my very favorite things uh, to talk about in terms of the Holy Spirit. And today... Rather than talking about some of the benefits that we get from having a relationship with the Holy Spirit, we're going to talk about something that requires a little more of us. Um, And I hope that you will stick with me. It may not be as nice to hear at first, but it has the power to absolutely change the way that you're living. Um, This morning, we're going to be talking about the idea of residence. And what residence is, is the Holy Spirit living in you. It's the verse that we just sang in Be Thou My Vision. You and me dwelling and I with thee one. This idea that the Holy Spirit resides in your person. That your body is home not just to you, not just to your thoughts, feelings, opinions, and desires, but to the Holy Spirit's. Um, But to give you a better picture of what this looks like, I want to talk to you about a really terrifying house. Um... I grew up on the west side in Colorado Springs, and for those of you who have been over there, hey, yeah, west side, he's pumping his fist. Get out of here. You're not even from here, man. She doesn't even go here. Um, (laughs) Anyway, (laughs) there is this scary house that is down the street from Bristol Park, um, Bristol Elementary School, right? And and this, I'm going to give you a picture. Ba-boom! There it is! That's like the stuff of nightmares, isn't it? Right, and this is just the front. You guys haven't seen the sides. You haven't seen the back of it. You haven't seen what's around it. It's scary. This house used to give me nightmares. I'm not even, no lie. And last night, knowing that I was talking about this house today, I dreamt about this house, okay? That is some scary stuff, okay? And so, like, it looks pretty dilapidated. But, like, maybe it was once really great. You're like, maybe it was once a really nice house. But what I have heard, even in just talking to Dwayne this morning about, about talking to you about this house, is that since Dwayne moved into the neighborhood in 85, he's never seen anybody live in that house. <laughs> so that means even before they moved there, nobody's been living there. It's been vacant. And what I was always told when I was a kid is that that house was donated to the city to be a bird sanctuary by a crazy bird lady. Um, <laughs> I don't know if that's true. I really don't. I think that birds probably did make their home there after a time, and so maybe it was just more convenient to say, well, it's a bird sanctuary. We can't do anything about it. You know, she, she donated it to the city. I don't know. Uh, then, then to address the fact that it's terrifying. Uh, but on the side, I will tell you, something does lend credit to it being a bird sanctuary in that there was a, a window covered over with just a plywood piece, And on it were these paintings of woodpeckers. And you know their combs are red, 
And so as a kid, until somebody stopped me and made me look that house straight in the face, I always thought those were bloody handprints all over. I was like, I was like convinced. I was like, somebody is doing some crazy evil things there. Like, I cannot go there, right? Would you want to live in this house in the state that it's in? Too many spiders in my, for me, personally. Like, I just feel like I couldn't sleep there. You know, like, ugh, gross. <laughs> okay, so this, this house is is a mess. It needs a lot of work. And probably the current tenants, birds, need to be evicted. <laughs> right, and when you look at this house, who do you think lives there? Birds. Yeah, you look at it and you think you, you think birds live there. Like, I cannot, I cannot go there. Birds are living there. I don't like birds. For those of you who don't know, they scare me. They, you know the movie The Birds? That's too true in my heart, you know? Like, I, I fear that. One day that will happen to me. Anyhow, so somebody, somebody took on the project of this house. And for the first time in years, like, like decades, this house has seen a new coat of paint. Look at it now. Oh my goodness. What is that? Is that the same house? I mean, yes, but no. <laughs> Whoa. Who does it look like lives there now? Some fabulous celebrity, probably. <laughs> this house went from being worth like next to nothing, a handful of bird seed, if you will, <laughs> uh, to being worth, they're asking over $400,000 for this house. That's crazy. Right? Somebody looked at the state of that previous house and they said, you know what? It's not past repair. It's, it's kind of messy. It's got some birds living in it, probably some squirrels. But I can, I can flush those out, and, and we can make it look good again. We can restore it. Um, and I would say that, that that house, the picture of before, often looks a lot like our life before Jesus. It's a mess. Maybe there are some birds nesting where they shouldn't be. Maybe it hasn't seen a fresh coat of paint in years. And I would say that the difference between these two houses can be summed up in the phrase renovation. Right? But I'd like to take it even a step further and lead you into this idea of occupation. Uh, because really, the difference is that somebody finally got fed up enough and they said, I don't want just birds to live there. I want people to live there. I want people to occupy that space. And so more than renovation, the primary difference maker is occupation. Because that house has been reclaimed and restored to no longer be for the birds, but to be for people. <laughs> really rich people, I'll give you that. <laughs> Who has that kind of money to blow on a house? But people. <laughs> Evidence is determined by residents. So evidence of the people living inside can be seen from the outside, but the residence has to happen first. And today when we're talking about the Holy Spirit, I want you to have this image in your mind, of this house overrun by birds, by squirrels, just absolutely overtaken. But the minute that somebody said, I want somebody to reside here, to make this place their home, 
they gave it the opportunity to have flower pots outside to drive down the street and not be terrified. <laughs> For me to be able to walk safely on my, my parents, near my parents' neighborhood without fear of birds attacking me, right? <laughs> um, and I, I would say that the same thing that happened to this house that when somebody decided that it was meant for people, that it was meant for a resident, that same thing happens in our lives. When somebody decides, it's you, that your life is meant for more than just birds. When you allow the Holy Spirit to take a place in your life. But the evidence in our lives looks a little different than a fresh coat of paint. You can dip yourself if you want to, I don't recommend it. Uh, what I do recommend comes from Galatians 5. <laughs> and these are some verses that you know. I know that you know them, and if you want to read them with me, you can. Galatians 5, 22 and 23 say this. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, forbearance. I'm going to say patience because I understand that. Kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Against such things, there is no law. This passage is saying about the evidence of the Holy Spirit in your life that these things begin to come to the surface not on your own strength. Because I think we can all fake it for a season. There are times where I grit my teeth and I just clench my fists and I smile. And I say, no, sir, I'm so sorry about that mistake that wasn't mine. <laughs> Let me help you. And that is on my own power. Food service is a monster. <laughs> okay? But there are also times where somebody gives me really bad news and I'm able to respond out of kindness. And that doesn't come from me. I would not tell you that I'm a naturally kind person. I think without Jesus, a lot of more of us wouldn't be friends. <laughs> if I'm just being honest about myself. <laughs> I always roast myself up here. What can I say? <laughs> These things, the fruit of the Spirit, are things that come because the Holy Spirit has taken up residence in your life. And so there very well could be areas of your life where you do see this. And maybe for you, that is work. Maybe at work, you're the person everybody loves to be around. You're like the funny pal. You're like, that person always gives me joy, and I like to work with them. And then maybe you turn around and your own kids fear you coming home. Or maybe you turn around, and when you walk in the door, your spouse isn't happy to see you. There absolutely can be bits and pieces of your life that are surrendered without the rest of it being surrendered. And I will tell you that you can see the evidence of where your life is surrendered to the Spirit by the fruit of the Spirit. What situations do you walk in and you have an abundance of joy even when you don't need to? Even when you shouldn't? That's a place of surrender. See, these things we can fake for a little bit, but too long and it tries us and it will come out. You will look at the customer in the eyes and you will say everything you've ever thought about every customer. <laughs> and it won't be nice. And you will lose your job, Valerie. <laughs> okay, so turn with me to John 14 for another important message about Holy Spirit residence. And this passage is about indwelling, about the idea that the Holy Spirit lives in you. It's John 14, starting at verse 16. 
And I will ask the Father, and he will give you another advocate to help you and be with you forever, the Spirit of truth. The world cannot accept him because it neither sees him nor knows him, but you know him, for he lives with you and will be in you. That's a big deal. You see, for believers, we don't really have a choice whether or not the Holy Spirit will be a part of our lives. He will be. That part is not a choice. What is a choice is how surrendered we live to his will. What is a choice is how much we let him have. You see, what happens is that though the Holy Spirit shares our body, like it says in 1 Corinthians 6, the Holy Spirit shares our body, we often treat him like a house guest rather than an owner. Let's read those verses. 1 Corinthians 6, 19 and 20 say, Do you not know that your bodies are temples of the Holy Spirit who is in you, whom you have received from God? You are not your own. You were bought at a price. Therefore, honor God with your bodies. And what happens is that we let the Holy Spirit live in our bodies. And occasionally we let him convict us. Right? Or sometimes we will ask for his help. But where it doesn't suit our wants, we say, Nah, I'm not going to listen to you today. I'm like, I don't remember asking for your help. And I think that the difference between a house guest and an owner is pretty clear. Right? If you invite people over to your house after you've cleaned it to make it look all nice and pretty and presentable for them, and they start leaving their stuff places, you can just say something. Hey, I noticed that you had a pair of dirty underwear in the kitchen. I don't really appreciate that. Can you do something about it? You know, or if they start making renovations to your home, you're going to say, whoa, I did not sign up for this. Um, that window has to stay there. <laughs> or if they start hanging pictures of clowns, you would say, you know, I don't love those as much as you do, and I live here, and you're going home soon, so don't hang that there. Uh, it becomes pretty tenuous, right? The difference between a house guest and an owner is very clear. And when a house guest starts cleaning your home, you think to yourself, man, this is a little embarrassing. <laughs> what I've presented, is it not good enough? I don't know. Because an owner is the one who cleans the house. An owner is the one who hangs the pictures. An owner is the one who decides where their dirty underwear go. It's not the kitchen. <laughs> Sorry, guys. But a house guest does not. And so evidence of the Holy Spirit that can be seen, the fruit of the Spirit, that evidence has to come from ownership and not house guestship. So last summer, just to give you a better picture of what I'm talking about, my grandma Sally came to visit me with my mom and my cousin and my aunt, so she brought a whole troop. Um, and there's a couple things you need to know about her. One, the first is that I love her dearly. She's like, I just love her. I don't know. We're very close. <laughs> um, but she works at a home uh, for those who are mentally handicapped. And so what she does is they're adults, and, and she helps them to take their meds. She feeds them. She cleans. She cooks. <laughs> she basically runs the house. She's like the mom of a house of a bunch of adults. Um, and on top of that, she has four kids herself, so her whole life, pretty much, has been spent cleaning up after terrorized rooms. Um, 
And so my grandma Sally does not know an idle moment. She just doesn't. I don't know, I don't know, I did not inherit that from her. Um, but when she came to our house, I caught her, like the first day that she was here, sweeping our kitchen. And I thought, I mean, we swept it before you came, but I guess that's okay, you know? She's like, well, there, there was just a little bit of hair in here. I, I just swept it up, and I was like, well, you don't have to do that, but it's okay, I guess. Uh, and then the second day, she vacuumed the stairs leading to our basement, and I thought, you know, I don't even do that. Like, <laughs> this is going beyond what, what even the people who do live here do, so I don't know why you're doing it. But the third day was worst of all. <laughs> the third day, she walked into the laundry room. It has a door on it. It's closed for a reason. She walked into the laundry room where we only ever go to do our laundry, and she cleaned Lindsay's cat's litter box. And I thought to myself, wow, what a grandma. <laughs> uh, but you see, the, the difference between my grandma being a house guest and an owner comes from relationship. Why did she think she could just come into my house and clean it? I mean, one, because maybe it's a nice thing to do. Uh, but more, it comes from the relationship. If she sees something in my life that needs to be dealt with, she can say that. And if she sees something in my circumstance that needs to be addressed, she can address it. Because while she may not be an owner of my physical home, she has ownership here. And that's an important distinction. Turn with me to Ephesians 5. And this is the crux of where we're getting to. Right, we know that ownership is a big deal. We've heard that the Holy Spirit resides in our body, that our lives are not our own. Okay, but this is the pinnacle of Holy Spirit expression. Ephesians 5, starting with verse 15. Be very careful then how you live, not as unwise but as wise, making the most of every opportunity because the days are evil. Therefore, do not be foolish, but understand what the Lord's will is. Do not get drunk on wine, which leads to debauchery. Instead, be filled with the Spirit, speaking to one another with psalms, hymns, and songs from the Spirit. Sing and make music from your heart to the Lord, always giving thanks to the Father for everything. In the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. Submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. These verses from Ephesians by Paul tell us something about living intentionally. Paul says here, the days are evil. Be careful what you do. Your time and how you live your life here and now, it matters on a kingdom level. Your life is not just about you. And it is a very frustrating thing for Christians to wrestle with, isn't it? Because we live in a world that likes to tell us that our lives are our own. That tells us the exact opposite of this passage. That I don't live for other people, I don't live for the Lord, I live for me. It's about what makes me happy, it's about what gets me fed, it's about how I can take care of my needs. 
And this is very countercultural. But there's peace here because even Paul was fighting against that culture. Even Paul had to write a letter to a people to say, submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. There is comfort in knowing that we are not alone. But that last phrase is so critical to this idea of the Holy Spirit living in you. Submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. Two things about that. The first is that it's a command. What do we know about commands? That there's always a choice involved. You can think back to the Ten Commandments. They were the only rules given to the Israelites, and there was always a choice for the Israelites. And let me tell you what, they broke them more often than not. And those were only ten. The second thing is this. Submitting to one another out of reverence for Christ means using the fruit of the Spirit. If I am submit to my brother in Christ, that means that even when he harasses me and calls me terrible names, that I look at him and I say, you know what? It's just rolling off my back. It's okay. We're easy breezy. I get it. You're in the season of, of doubt, of frustration, and you don't really know what you're saying. It's okay. Right? Or when a person comes to me with a, a grievance that they've had against me for years, that I say, okay, let me take that into account. Let me consider the weight of what you're saying. It means that when I want to eat a whole tub of ice cream, I just eat half of it. Self-control. That's in there. <laughs> Submitting to one another requires the fruit of the Spirit. So it requires what? Holy Spirit to be residing in you. The Holy Spirit to be the owner of your life. So there's another piece in this passage that's important in this conversation about residence. And it comes from verse 18. It says, Do not get drunk on wine, which leads to debauchery. Instead, be filled with the Spirit. This is not an either-or thing. No, it is, sorry. It is an either-or thing. <laughs> this is not a both-and thing. You can't try to fill a hole in your life with something else and still expect to be filled with the Spirit. They don't go together. Verse 18 says, instead, be filled with the Spirit. And drunkenness there can be any number of things. It can be any number of things that you turn to in a moment of weakness, that you turn to to fill a hole. That could be sex. That could be overeating. That could be overspending. That could be self-help videos. That could be porn. It could be any number of things. You cannot be filled by the Holy Spirit and also be trying to fill a hole with something different. It doesn't work that way. So how do we get to a place where we stop treating the Holy Spirit as a house guest and where we start treating him as the primary resident of our lives? I think there are two truths that we have to wrestle with before we can truly get to that place. And the first is this. 
One way that we treat the Holy Spirit like a house guest is that we say no to him. We say no. 1 Thessalonians 5.19 says this, Do not quench the Spirit. Another command, which means what? Another choice. Do not quench the Spirit. There is a choice there. This means, this is called a sin of omission. This is, a, this is a sin because you're not doing what you should be doing. That's what that means, a sin of omission. This means that when the Holy Spirit is directing us to an area of our lives that he wants to tackle, that he wants to clean out, that we say, no, you don't have permission to bring that to me. You don't have permission to go there. You're a house guest. You don't get to deal with my innermost parts. Those aren't for you. That means that when the Spirit leads us to speak to a person, be it about their sin or even to give them an encouragement, and we say no, that we're making him a house guest. We're not allowing him to lead and guide and direct our steps. He's not an owner. And this means that when he's looking in our closets or under our beds and couches and finding dust bunnies, that we refuse to remove them they say, I like it better there. Or, ah, it takes too much work to just sweep that out. I don't want to do it. That's the first way. We make the Holy Spirit a house guest by saying no to him. And then we wonder why his voice becomes so faint and so quiet that we hardly hear it. And the second way that we make the Holy Spirit a house guest is this, is we say yes to sin. We say no to the Holy Spirit, and we say yes to sin. Ephesians 4, starting at verse 30, says this, and do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God with whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. Get rid of all bitterness, rage, and anger, brawling, and slander, along with every form of malice. This sin is called the sin of commission because we're doing something that we shouldn't be doing. So omission and commission. This is when we actively choose a life of sin despite what the Holy Spirit would have us do. This is when we tell ourselves, one more drink won't hurt me. One more drink won't make me drunk. This is when we tell ourselves, one more look at this video won't hurt my heart. It won't hurt my partner. It won't hurt the Lord. This is when we say those things about people behind their backs that we would never say to their faces. This is when we actively choose sin over the will of God. We make the Holy Spirit a house guest. And I would argue that this, this one, this point, that we say yes to sin, makes our house unlivable even for a house guest. Have you ever thought about the fact that the Holy Spirit lives in you and yet you still allow sin in your life? The Holy Spirit, a holy, clean, untouchable being, resides in you and you make him a part of your sin painful. That's personal. How do we move past this? 
How do we move past saying no to the Holy Spirit and saying yes to sin? I have a simple answer for you, but I don't think you're going to like it. Like many things in Scripture, the answer is surrender. It's complete and total surrender. And it's frustrating because it doesn't happen just one time. Sometimes multiple times a day, you will have to remind yourself of Ephesians 5, 21, submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. Submit. Lay down everything that you hold as a weapon against the Lord at his feet, and instead step over the line and partner with him. And that is frustrating work, because we can't do it on our own. It requires the Holy Spirit. But I will tell you, there is such freedom in allowing the Holy Spirit to take that position back, to take up a position of ownership, of residence in your life where you have taken it. I'm going to invite Val back up, um, and I'm going to ask you guys to do something that I think a lot of you may be uncomfortable with, but that's good. We learn here. We challenge each other. We like to do that. Okay, uh, so if you'll close your eyes, just like, like, just trust the people that you're sitting next to, not to bug you while your eyes are closed, and just, just close them. I'm looking at you. <laughs> I'm just kidding. That was not directed at any one particular pastor. <laughs> okay, close your eyes with me. And I want you to picture your life like a house. Maybe like the house that we just looked at. What does it look like on the outside? Is it green or blue? Maybe even red, maybe you're bold. Is the paint chipped or is there a fresh coat? Does the garden, the front yard, look like it's been cared for? With that picture in mind, I'm gonna ask you to step into the house. Maybe the first room off to your left is the living room. Maybe that's where you invite guests. Maybe there are pictures of your family there, of vacations that you took, of happy memories, your favorite pillows. That's the place where you sit with your friends, with your family, with your house guests. But maybe let's go to your bedroom, where some of the most personal things that you have are kept. And maybe there's some, some junk under your bed that you've been storing. Maybe that junk makes it difficult to relate to your spouse or to your family, to your boyfriend, your girlfriend. Maybe your attic has a bunch of dusty, untouchable memories in it. Your attic is not a place that you ever show to a house guest, and you don't go there yourself. Maybe that's a place where you put stuff you don't want anybody to see, not even the Lord. Think of your laundry room, of, of all the cleaning supplies that are in there that don't get used in this house. 
take a moment and reflect on which rooms that you show guests and which that you make sure they don't see. And I know that you know them. Now imagine that my grandma Sally <laughs> is invited to your house. Which rooms do you lock, not just close the door? Because you know she's going in. Where is it that you don't want the Holy Spirit to look? That you don't want him to clean? That you don't want him to begin pulling things out of? I want you to keep your eyes closed as you listen. Complete surrender takes so much trust. And for you to make that step to completely surrender is such a brave thing to do. I need you to hear that. It is brave. Being known fully and totally is one of the most healing and incredible experiences that you could have. And you have to know before you begin any of that work, before you allow the Holy Spirit anywhere in your life, that God chose you. That even before you were born, as the Lord looked at how your life would be, he loved you. You can put as many locks on as many rooms as you want to, and you can convince yourself that he doesn't see what's behind closed doors, but he does. He knows it. But the thing is, the Holy Spirit will never have the room to change things, to complete a new work in you, unless you give up your right to. Unless you invite the Holy Spirit in and let him stay, even when he brings up old memories that you want to forget, even when he tells you that you've got to get on hands and knees and scrub the floor. But in this whole sermon series, there is such a promise. Even last week, Lindsay talked about intercession, about the Holy Spirit speaking for you, words that you can't speak yourself. You don't have to do it on your own. You can open your eyes, um, and I want you to look at that little picture of the key that you were given when you walked in. Um, this is called a skeleton key. And in old houses, all of the locks had a very similar set of knobs that would keep it locked. But a skeleton key has a hollow middle, meaning that every single one of those locks, it can undo. And I want you to imagine that in your house, all of your locks can be open with the key that you have in your hand. And as we're singing our last song, our last worship song of the day, I want you to take the pen out of the sea back in front of you and write on your skeleton key the rooms that you don't want the Holy Spirit to be in. The rooms where it's painful for him to bring things up the places that you don't show your house guests. And as we're singing, I want you to come and I want you to lay those on the altar. I want you to lay those at the feet of Jesus, knowing that the Holy Spirit is powerful and can be trusted to complete in you the work that he has begun.
but you have to give him permission. Give the skeleton key over so that any room that he walks in or door he walks up to, he can unlock. God, I pray during this time um, that you would ask us to make bold statements. Um, Lord, that you would be with us in those areas where it hurts. Lord, there are things that we don't like to talk about, that we don't like to even acknowledge are in our houses. But Lord, that doesn't make you any less Lord over those things. God, I pray that you would soften our hearts and reveal to us the areas that you want to begin cleaning out. God, we love you and we trust you with the work that you are doing. In Jesus' name, amen.